0: what's going on guys welcome back to nebraska hawks nest make sure to give all the videos a like and give us a subscribe so you can get all of the latest updated interviews from all of our iowa hawkeye legends and the one legend that has to be uh happens to be stopping by today is julian Vandervelde. how's it going man
1: it's going great it's going i mean outside you know spring's here, day's getting longer, weather's getting warmer, so I'm starting uh, to feel it, man, this is this is a great time.
0: Hey, man, dude, you haven't looked like you've aged a day. you look just like you did back in your <laughs> playing days, man.
1: I don't know if that's good or bad, I feel like I have less hair than I ever have, and I definitely got some grays now, that's why I got to keep it short.
0: Oh, yeah, we all do, man, I do, I've been getting them so bad in my beard, it's insane, it's just, especially oh, the yeah. last couple of years, it's like, come on, I'm holding it together like as best as I can and like that crap's not making it any easier. So mm-hmm. uh, I got some little ones in the background. How, how many kids do you have right now?
1: So we got three kids, we got an uh, eight year old, five year old and a two year old. So we uh, we spaced them out pretty good, but they are the five or the three, the two year old and the, and the five year old are cohorts. Um, okay. They feed off of each other and they are both just absolute monsters, which is great. To a certain extent, as long as we're, you know, you get two parents, you can always be man to man coverage with them. As soon as you get into zone, somebody gets open and then there's
0: problems. Yeah. With our, we have three and it's the, our, our middle and our youngest. Whenever they get going, it's this yeah. kid flipped upside down and it's just like, like a freaking rave. I'm like, you know, they're <laughs> blasting the stereo, like wrestling on the floor, throwing toys, Nerf guns. It's yeah. Like, Man, like, I don't ever remember, like, just letting it loose like that when I was a kid. Like, <laughs> I had fun and I went outside, but I didn't treat my parents' house like a frat house.
1: No, did you have, did you have siblings though?
0: I did. Yeah. I had two, I had two brothers and it, you know, oh. we would, I was mostly outside, like playing basketball, playing football, like doing things outside. And when we were inside, it's like, you keep it together. Otherwise, yep. mom's going to get pissed off and, I think our generation of parents is just way more laid back than the previous generations. I don't know why it works out that way, but it seems to be, in my opinion, you know, everyone's a little different, but kind of a generational thing that it's just like most parents, because I'm fairly close to your age, and it seems like most people I know are just like, you know, so much more patient than my parents were. If I would have done half the crap my kids did, I would have (laughs) gotten ass beat.
1: So it's because we remember, we remember the trauma of our parents beating the crap out of us when we were
0: bad. And it's just like,
1: I don't, know, I don't know if I wanted my kids to remember me
0: that way. <laughs> and that's exactly, that's what I always tell my wife. I'm like, we need to remember that in 20 years from now, when they're away from the house, I want them to have good memories of growing up. Yeah. I don't want them to be like, I remember when dad like sm- spanked the hell out of me for doing this. And when, you know, they yelled at us for that. I'm like, I don't want that. Like that is not what I want them talking about when they're adults and they decide to get together for a drink on a Friday night. It's,
1: Right. They're
0: going to pick yep. your nursing home, man. You got to, you got to treat them right. <laughs> Shit. I'm hoping to avoid that altogether, but you know, that's that they tell me now I can move in with them if I'm just like not holding it together. Uh, that's what they say now, but who the hell knows? Like that, that could completely change. So you just hope they end up marrying somebody that you like. And that's, yeah, no kidding. That, there. You know, you're old when you start to think like that. That's then you know, or like if you see a like a young girl like dressed scantily clad, you're like, oh god, if my daughter ever ever wore that, I'd kick the crap out of her. Where it's mm-hmm. like, and then I think I'm like, okay, that's now I know I'm old because you know, young the the young me would have been like, ooh, you know, and now, I'm, and now I'm like, <laughs> no, oh, you're she- like that's somebody's daughter, young lady, you put some pants on. Like, that's exactly. you get mm-hmm. I feel bad. I feel bad for her dad. I'm like God, that that poor guy, what the, the stress he must be going through. But anyway, we did well. We'll quick. I get getting off on a tangent with you here a little bit, uh, talking about your personal life. But it's awesome to hear that the family's doing well, and you've been married for a while, right? It's you guys aren't newlywed. Mm-hmm. How no, many? Years? We've been married eight years. Eight years. Mm-hmm. Okay, I knew that. Um, where did you guys? Uh, where did you guys meet? Because I thought it was. Oh, from-
1: yeah, that's a long story. So we actually met in high school. We were on the speech and debate team together. One of the many multitudes of things that, uh, that I did in high school was uh, was forensics. So uh, we were duo interpretation partners um, in high school. So we were on kind of the same speech like team, if you will. Okay. Uh, and then we completely lost track of each other after high school. We each were dating somebody else at the time. We lost track of each other completely. Uh, and then found each other again my sophomore year at Iowa. Um, and then my junior year, we started uh, we started dating and just kind of rolled from there. Once uh, once we were both single, I hit it off again, and the rest is history, as they say.
0: It was meant to be. Yeah, it's true love. I love it. That's <laughs> a great story. I love <laughs> story that man. Book
1: ending. Yeah,
0: it's a tale as old as time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go back. I don't know if I'm Beauty or the Beast Am I in that scenario. I don't know. Don't ask I, her. Don't ask her that question.
0: You can be a beautiful beast. That's okay. There you go. There's nothing wrong. <laughs> on the offensive line, you need to be a beast. Uh, yeah, wrong. We're going we're to dial it back to the very, the very beginning, coming out of high school, the recruitment process. I'm always fascinated to hear about this. I mm-hmm. want to know who, the, who, the top, who were your top schools that were really coming after you that you uh, were evaluating potentially would go on visits, and uh, how did your thought process go, and how did you narrow it down to end up choosing the Hawkeyes?
1: Well, I, I think I always knew I was going to be a Hawk. Um, I grew up when I was like eight years old. I remember going, my gra- my grandmother lives in uh, Iowa City still, and we would go watch Iowa basketball games, and I would say, I'm going to go to college at Carver Hawkeye. That's what I it, it was Was you just went to school there. Um, and so as I kind of grew up, uh, you know, watching the great Iowa teams, I knew that this was where I wanted to be. And um, And it came to the point where in high school, I was effectively being recruited Um, I think it offers from, like, Georgia Tech and uh, Kansas. The big one, the one that my my mom, I think, still wanted me to to choose was Stanford. Um, So Stanford wanted me to come and play defensive line. I went to a camp out there. They're going to be wrong. Beautiful campus, and, you know, the California weather is hard to beat. Um, But they wanted me to play defensive line, and this was before Harbaugh. So they were awful. Okay. Uh, And I had – and I didn't have an offer from Iowa yet, but in my head I was just weighing, do I want to – go play defensive line at Stanford on a scholarship, which just thinking about that is insane. Like Stanford offered you a scholarship and you're, you know, like full ride and you're going to, and you're considering between that and walking on at Iowa to play offensive line. like, you know, that just, it doesn't compute, but uh, thank God Iowa did end up offering me. And I think, you know, I didn't even realize it happened when it happened. Um, You know, we went up for a visit and me and my mom and my stepdad were sitting there across from Kirk Ferentz and I was so like awestruck to just be in a room, like in a private meeting with Kirk Ferentz that when he effectively offered me the scholarship, I didn't even realize it. Um, I thought it was his, he was just saying like, Hey, we're considering you. And I was like, Oh, Hey, I really appreciate that. Um, You know, you know, go talk about it as a family and uh, you know, you know, take this into consideration and hopefully uh, you know, I can impress you guys some more and left without really saying anything. And my mom, when we got in the car was like, you do realize what just happened. Don't you? Like, yeah, which but Coach Farris, that was awesome. She's like, No, they just they offered you a scholarship to play football here. I was like, And I didn't say yes. Why didn't you tell me? That's what was happening And I just the whole car ride home oh. I freaked out. As soon as we got back to the house, the first thing I did was dial to back up, was like, I'm so sorry. Yes, yes, I accept them coming so uh, that
0: was fun that's a great story i you're not the first guy that's uh you know we talked to cole fisher last week and he had uh he was very academically driven and he mm. had an offer from stanford too and went out and visited and he was like man i mean i i wanted to be a hawk but that was a hard place to turn down because it's so beautiful <laughs> out there and you know you come out of school if you're not going to go to the nfl which, which most college players don't uh, you're going to have a, ger- a degree from Stanford University. It's like yep. you're pretty well set at that point. And, <laughs> and to come out from Stanford with no debt, I mean, how great would that be? I mean, that's... Oh, my gosh. I was happy best. to have come out of
1: anywhere with no debt. I mean, any any scholarship you can get to any college to to play any sport or sing or dance or do whatever they offer you scholarship to do, like, is just such a huge blessing, especially in this oh. day and age.
0: I, 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 I was thankful for that. I wish I could have had one. I'm still paying off my student loan debt, so I'm, <laughs> we're working on my wise too. Yeah, chipping <laughs> away at it, man. It's just like mm-hmm. every time I'm like. I think I got, I'm I'm making some progress. And then I get online and I look and I'm like, Oh, I'm not really that much. Oh, wow. So I don't know. We'll get that. We'll get her done someday. But when you're in college, you don't think about it. And like, I just want to have a good college experience and have fun and mm-hmm. you know, get my degree and, 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 you know, get into a career. You don't so I, at least I wasn't counting the dollars and being like, I'm gonna have to pay all this back. I'm just like, I'm going to cash that Pell Grant check. I'm going to, you know, buy some <laughs> food and spend it at the bar and have a blast. So it's uh, the
1: best years. That's what it's for, though. You're not simply, you know, it's like the last time in your life that, that you are, you have minimal worries really before like real responsibility kind of, kind of checks in. So you've got to enjoy those years, I man, for
0: sure. Oh, yeah. Did, did you have the opportunity to have much of a social life playing football? Did you and the guys, were you able to go out and have beers or do anything like that? But did they, did, or did they keep you pretty locked down?
1: No, there was, there was a lot of socializing uh, to, to go around. I was, and still am, and was long before that, a huge nerd. So, like, the bar scene was not my scene. I didn't really go to parties. I didn't go to house parties. Uh, never really went out and did, like, bar crawls or anything like that. Uh, like, when we had friends come up into town, we might go out to the bars for a night because it was kind of a special occasion or something. Um, but I was, I was a part of the Japanese Cultural Association, uh, me and a group of friends from my Japanese class uh, would play Dungeons and Dragons uh, twice a week. So, like, I, I never had a chance to to go out and, and have that kind of traditional college lifestyle. Because for me, the perfect, uh, you know, college experience was uh, it was my first chance. I've been a, a huge, uh, like, Japanese culture buff uh, since I was about 12 years old. And so for me, that was my first opportunity to kind of engulf myself in that, uh, in that culture and um, you know, because Je- Iowa, a lot of people don't know, but Iowa has a really, really good Japanese language program.
0: I didn't know um, that. So I got, you know, I got really
1: into the Japanese language program, the Cultural Association. Everything it was a lot of
0: fun. Did the guys ever try to pull you out to the bar and say, like, Julian, get out here and let's have some, have some beer? Because <laughs> usually offensive linemen are known for being able to put down some beers.
1: Oh, yeah, and I could. Don't get me wrong. I could, you know, that was back in, back in those days. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of time when we weren't playing football. Um, but, like, I had some friends who had a, uh, we had a heavy metal band here in town locally, and they practiced at this place called the Band House. And we would have these, I mean, all night just sit, cramming 120 people into this four bedroom or this, uh, this four room apartment, like a kitchen, a bedroom, uh, you know, a bathroom, and then like a side room. People spilling out onto the, onto the roof of like the side, the little side shed that thank God didn't fall down the whole time. And, I mean, we'd go through a, probably a case of Bud Light, a person, uh, you know, in a night and, uh, and like, pass out there and wake up. Uh, and, I mean, they were incredible parties, uh, you know. But, again, that was – you had, like, a two-week span where you could do that. So it was kind of like, this is time to let loose because the rest of the year – like, I'm not, I'm not a freak athlete by any means, right? You get to, like – you know, some of these guys, you get to the NFL, especially, it's, like, borderline superheroes. So – For me, it was all year, every year, thinking about football and, you know, staying in the strength conditioning and staying, uh, you know, in shape and eating and drinking right just to kind of be able to compete at that level with those guys. Um, so when I got those little, those little spurts of time, man, I really went off, um, which I'm sure my liver will thank me for someday, but uh, thankfully I've learned better by now.
0: What was the most challenging part of transitioning from a high school player into the University of Iowa and uh, becoming a part of that football program? Because, you know, they call it tight end you, but it also gets called offensive line you too. It really produces a lot of NFL caliber offensive linemen. What was your toughest transition? Do you feel like
1: I think it was just very strict um, in terms of what uh, you know, what was expected of you? Uh, I come from there. There are some very, very good high school programs in the country. Mine is not one. uh, you know, Devonport Central, um, you know, we're trying, we're getting better, uh, certainly. But when I was there, I think we won a total of five games in my four years. Okay. Um, so we were not, uh, you know, we weren't a football school. That wasn't what we were known for. Uh, we, were, we were a performing arts school. Right? Our, our band was really good. Our orchestra was really good. Our choirs were nationally, like, recognized choirs. Um, you know, we were consistently uh, high performing, like, show choirs and stuff like that. So that's where the focus was. Uh, not in athletics. Um, so to come from a program that really was pretty loose in terms of its structure um, and not very successful, to come into this program that, especially in those days, Iowa coming off of like you know going to the Orange Bowl against USC and uh, you know the catch against LSU and all these you know great teams that had kind of built this legacy since Kirk took over, um, you know having a weight that you had to hit. Uh, You know, having these really structured, rigorous, really intense workouts. Um, You know, my first day there, I came in and I was like 325 pounds. uh, And I think they just ran me the whole first practice. I probably threw up three or four times.
0: Oh, Um, Oh, looks like we might have lost... Julian there for a second. We'll hold on here for a second and see if he pops back on in. Really had some interesting stories, though, so far, that's for sure. Here we go. Let's check. He just messaged us. So we're going to see what's going on here. Oh, looks like his computer crashed on him. So we are going to bust this out into a two-part interview and um, we'll be back. All right. Thanks for watching, guys. Go Hawks.